Welcome to the Irish Occupational Therapy Podcast, hosted by me, Jen Trecek, and me, Irene Rutledge. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the world of occupational therapy, sharing the latest research and techniques, and providing insights into the many ways that occupational therapy can help people of all ages live more fulfilling and meaningful lives. Whether you are a practicing occupational therapist, a student of occupational therapy, or simply curious about this fascinating field, this podcast is for you. We'll be interviewing experts in the field, sharing stories from the front lines of occupational therapy practice, and providing tips and advice for anyone looking to get the most out of their therapy. So sit back, relax, and join us on this exciting journey into the world of occupational therapy in Ireland. We are recording. Woo-hoo. Hello, Jen. Hi, Aideen. How are you? Good. Excited for our first ever recording on the Irish oh. Occupational Therapy Podcast. It's really exciting, isn't it? Um, and I've got so many questions because we both had an idea that we wanted to do a podcast kind of separately. And then somehow we came together and decided there is no podcast about occupational therapy in Ireland. Let's get the ball rolling on this. Yes, um, it started. What, 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 why did you decide it would be important or helpful? Okay, well, first of all, I suppose I really enjoy podcasts. That's my That was the first thing. I really enjoy them. I don't particularly watch TV very much. Podcasts are my kind of leisure time as an occupational therapist. I love listening and learning through podcasts. And I suppose there's a lot of podcasts from other professionals. And I did see the gap that there isn't one for our profession. Um, I love listening to Kelly Mahler in, from the States talking about interoception. She's recorded a lot of podcasts and I've learned a lot through her. So I just felt that there was something that we could offer to our profession in recording our own podcast. There seems to be a lot in America, doesn't there? And, and some yeah. really lovely podcasts, some really educational, interesting, engaging podcasts. But yeah, when I looked um, for an Irish voice within all of that, not a huge amount. No. So we're going to fill that gap, Jen, aren't we? Hopefully, hopefully. And it's one of the things that I I kind of thought it would be important or helpful because mm-hmm. I work in mental health, occupational therapy. And all of the time when I say, oh, I'm a, a, an OT in mental health, and I tend to get the question or kind of a look, I suppose, saying like mental health, occupational therapy and people a lot of people have in their head wheelchairs or they have pediatrics or they have chair raisers or toileting aids. And so I kind of feel there's not um, a huge amount of awareness of occupational therapy and the breadth of what we can offer because occupational therapy can be beneficial in pretty much every single area of your life. Um, So I felt it'd be really helpful to kind of highlight and showcase the range of services available in Ireland the range of areas that OTs actually work in so that maybe people can have more of an understanding of what it is that we actually do mm-hmm. um, and also as an OT I just love hearing what OTs in other areas or kind of specialities are doing I love learning from them I love kind of hearing what the evidence is for their particular field you know what research they're basing their practice on what works in practice so I am really interested in finding out from other people what they're doing 
and how our jobs can look so different. Like we're, although we're both occupational therapists, our jobs look totally different and that's just too different. So I'm um, an occupational therapist working in the autism field and pediatrics with children and young people. So again, there are some similarities, I think, Jen, between our jobs, but um, I suppose if you were to compare us to uh, an occupational therapist working in an acute hospital setting, our jobs couldn't look any more different, couldn't they not? Yeah, and it's so strange. I mean, I mean, I'm in awe of some of the stuff that you do. You work with um quite young children, and um you've got a huge, like, a really interesting program related to autism, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I'm trained in a program called Attention Autism, which I'm really passionate about. It's something that's really added to my practice as an occupational therapist sort of by accident. So I started working for Middletown Centre for Autism 10 years ago, and that was one of the main approaches that we used there. And Middletown's a transdisciplinary service. I think you've worked in a transdisciplinary service yeah. as well, Jen. So we'll talk a wee bit about that later maybe as well. And attention autism would be widely used by teachers and speech and language therapists. So mm-hmm. yeah. You are also an even Eva Duggan award winner for anyone who isn't familiar with OT in Ireland. That's quite a prestigious award for OTs who are doing really good work, right? Yeah, I was. It was pinch me moment last year, Jen, winning that with AOTI, the Association of Occupational Therapists in Ireland. Um, really proud moment, and I was presented with it from the Duggan family. And it allowed me to run a training for occupational therapists in attention autism. So there's 10 occupational therapists now throughout Ireland using attention autism in their practice. And I'm also completing a study on how it's changed their practice. Um, So hopefully that will be released later in the year. But Jen, over to you. What about you? How did you get into mental health as an occupational therapist? Yeah, do you know, I've always worked in mental health pretty much and when I qualified I did a very short stint in A&E and I worked in healthcare the elderly very briefly we did mixed rotations and then went into inpatient psychiatry and absolutely love working in the field of mental health so I've worked um, in a range of different areas from you know community mental health early intervention psychosis I've done kind of primary care I've done um, kind of primary care in relation to welfare to work and supporting people to return to work and then I moved back. I was working in the UK for, for 15 years, moved back to Ireland a number of years ago and worked for Jigsaw with young people and a lot of teenagers and young adults who are struggling with their mental health. Absolutely loved and do continue to love working with that population. Um, but a couple of years ago, having worked um, online in Jigsaw as well, I made the leap <laughs> um, into private practice and working for myself, um, which has been like a baptism fire, but has been fantastic in terms of being able to offer the kind of service that I really want to offer, that is evidence-based, that um, meets the needs of the person where they're at and when they want it. Um, And so being able to be flexible in my approach to really kind of listen to and understand what the, the client wants and needs and being able to offer that. So I absolutely love that. And I'm actually really passionate about encouraging more OTs to to kind of move into an area of practice that that they love and not be confined I suppose by some of the structural barriers that can be there in the health service in Ireland at times and you know I'm sure throughout the throughout the the podcast series we're going to talk to lots of different professions and, um, and different people in different fields and understand a little bit more about 
some of the challenges and some of the strengths of the different areas that people are working in. Yeah. So Jen, you're the founder of Way Ahead. And tell us about that. It's expanding at the minute and it's going <laughs> yeah. strength. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so I started um, Way Ahead and I work with young people and adults, um, as I say, in their own homes, in the community, in in um, my clinic here in Dublin. And I suppose the range of people that I work with, people come with a huge variety of different challenges. So it can be things like depression, low mood, anxiety, stress. Um, and more and more I'm seeing people with ADHD or with autism, a lot of adults being diagnosed, you know, um, people where their children are maybe getting a diagnosis and adults kind of recognizing some challenges in themselves. And then um, are looking for support in terms of strategies to cope, to manage, space to talk about and understand their diagnosis. Um, so, yeah, and just started um, with Joy Kelleher in Cork, which is very exciting. And I'm really looking at how can we provide a service to more people? Because the demand I have found, I, you know, I've never really advertised um actively and the demand for occupational therapy in the mental health sphere in in um community is is huge so i would really like to look at how do i expand and encourage more occupational therapists to be to become self-employed and to be able to offer the support um where and when the the person needs it but also meeting their own needs because i think a lot of us um are women a lot of occupational therapists are women and a lot of us have families and maybe need some flexibility in terms of working conditions and terms and that kind of thing so we're all we're all balancing and OT is all about balance so for me private practice gives me that um, little bit more opportunity for balance in my life and you provided that really helpful uh, webinar not very long ago Jen I actually missed out on it myself and um, supporting occupational therapists who are launching into private practice yeah um, that was really successful yeah. wasn't it Absolutely. Um, we had, a, I mean, it was nearly 30 OTs. It was myself and Dr. Anya O.D., who's a fantastic occupational therapist um, in Limerick. Um, she's actually, um, she works more as a supervisor and a coach and a business mentor. Um, and we'll be talking to Anya um, throughout the, the podcast as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, myself and Anya did um, a, a workshop to support people to kind of think about the practicalities of moving into private practice. And that's still available through Anya's site, Radiance Consulting, if anybody wants to look on it. Just, I suppose, taking the leap, a lot of, um, certainly us, maybe, do I say the word older <laughs> OTs who trained maybe um, longer ago than the, than the past number of years, never really got that business training or, you know, how do you set up a business? How do you manage the accounts? What are the legal and ethical implications of that? Um, and I think colleges are probably doing it a little bit better for occupational therapists now, um, but we didn't have that. So we wanted to put something that was very practical together that gave people the resources, the information and the confidence to to look at, at this as a realistic prospect. Um, and we had like we got to speak to some amazing women in private practice throughout Ireland and, and abroad as well, actually, um, just going into different niches and um, yet yeah, really enjoyed putting it together and also we're hoping to do something um, kind of over the coming year to look at how do people who are set up in private practice continue to resource themselves and to move forward with their businesses as well. So, yeah, that yeah. business side is something that I'm really interested in. Yeah. And it's sharing just 
you know tried and tested ideas that and I think that's that's another thing about this podcast Jen I want it to be about celebrating all the good work that's going on in Ireland bioTs there's some really fantastic innovative practices going on um lovely um you know entrepreneurs that are really getting themselves really well established. We've got some really exciting guests, haven't we, that we hope to... Oh, absolutely. And I think you're so right. There's something about occupational therapists that we don't really shout about ourselves enough. I think OTs are a phenomenal profession and we do amazing things. And sometimes we share it with each other in conferences and that kind of thing. Um, But I don't know that we really shout out loud enough what we're doing so that all of the public and other professions and other disciplines outside of our very specific niches get it and understand it. And understand what occupational therapy is even, you know? Yeah. Did you know what occupational therapy was? You know, did you fully know what it was when you were entering into the profession? I have to say, I am very lucky. I come from a line of occupational therapists. So two of my aunts actually were OTs. Um, Brilliant. They both trained in in Trinity and so I had one um, aunt who was an OT in physical health and I had one aunt who was an OT in mental health so I had gotten a very good grounding before I went for OT so I know a lot of people kind of fell into it I deliberately from the time I was you know a young teenager knew that this is what I wanted to do Um, and unfortunately didn't get in and at the time Trinity was the only college in Ireland that was doing it there was like 28 places or 30 places something like that and I didn't get in and I had a number of other places lined up in the UK so Cardiff was the closest to home there was like I don't even know if Ryanair flew but there was there oh no they did there was a, a flight over to Cardiff so I packed my bags and I was heading off. And on the morning I was leaving, having said goodbye to everybody, I got a call from Trinity saying, oh, you've got about a, about a fourth or fifth round offer. Do you want to stay? And I was yeah. like, no, I'm going now. And I headed to Cardiff. And best decision I ever made. I absolutely loved the course in University of Wales College of Medicine. It was problem-based learning. It was really dynamic and interesting and just really kind of cultivated curiosity I think for me kind of looking into finding out and one of the things that it really highlighted was research is changing all the time and you need to keep learning you need to keep evolving your practice and um, the more and you know occupational science wasn't really a thing and it is now and it really kind of highlights that need to stay in touch which is where I think things like this podcast are really um, a nice way an easy way to stay in touch with actually what's what's happening in practice what's current what's evolving what are some of the new ways of working yeah we want to keep it accessible easy listening very relaxed just having a conversation one of our stipulations is to have a coffee in hand right Jen? <laughs> have you have you got your cup of tea there <laughs> I have my coffee here yes <laughs> you need it for the early morning kick yes well I was one of those who fell into OT I remember sitting our lecturer Patricia McClure saying I hope everyone here knows exactly what occupational therapy is because there's a huge weight in this to get onto this course and if you're sitting here and you don't know exactly what it is oh, then... <laughs> pressure <laughs> I was trying not to make any eye contact my career's teacher Mrs Lonnie in Mount Lourdes and then a skillin um suggested occupational therapy she said now if I was doing my time over again I would choose occupational therapy it's a really lovely career and I did a lot of research and reading around it but I still didn't fully 
grasp what it was because again it's so varied isn't it but I always did enjoy any of the pediatric modules I did a placement in Enable Ireland in Sandymount um, and I always enjoyed pediatrics so I do think you you know I suppose some people do ch- change between different areas of specialism but a bit like you in mental health Jen I always knew that I wanted to work with children and what would be your elevator pitch now if you had to if, if you were sitting in front of that class again and they said right Aideen what is occupational therapy how do you describe it for me it's about empowerment it's really trying to help people to be the best that they can be and to lead the most fulfilling lives does that still sound a bit cloudy I'm not sure yeah, it, probably does. it does yeah <laughs> go deeper what is it <laughs> um, for me as well I think as I've as, as I've settled into my career in the field of autism it's not just about empowering the individual either it's about empowering everyone around the individual to help them become their best selves and it's very systemic yeah isn't it and it's not just about trying to adapt or change the individual it's it's molding everyone around them so that they can mm-hmm. flourish and be as independent as possible I suppose independence is a key word isn't it mm-hmm. and you I'll- haven't mentioned the occupation word <laughs> <laughs> would you bring that into your description I should shouldn't I <laughs> and again another thing for me I suppose I um, work with children leisure you know um, how we spend our time how we prioritize things that fulfill us and bring us happiness that's that's a key part as well in yeah in our role because I think you know certainly working with adults when people hear occupational therapy they go oh you're a careers counselor or oh that's to do with jobs or occupational health comes to mind and so you know I always say occupation is about the things that you do or that you want to do or that you need to do and we will support you to find ways to to do those things so the same as yourself and I suppose there's lots of skills within that I think sometimes with occupational therapy what we do looks really easy um, or you know straightforward um, and but there's a lot of kind of complexity in the way that we think about occupations and tasks and you know the environment as you said you know we really kind of break down what are the components that somebody needs to be able to master or to compensate for in order to do the thing that they want to do where are the blocks, where are the challenges, and then how do we find ways around that? And that looks at the person themselves, it looks at the task at hand or the thing they need to do, and it really looks at the environment around the person as well. And so, you know, even going back to the physical side, you know, providing an aid or an adaptation, which in itself might look quite straightforward, actually can can be a quite complex um, process um, in terms of analysis and in terms of critically um, appraising the evidence and all of that kind of stuff and I think sometimes we forget that it's not as straightforward as it seems because the way that we think kind of becomes a little bit ingrained in us as OTs right yeah yeah and I also think what occupational therapy means for each individual is different it is so like as occupational therapists we're I suppose the main profession that looks at the the person holistically so not just from a physical perspective not we look at you know the mental health emotional well-being um all of the all of the aspects of the person so for what occupational therapy means even for each child or each adult that's receiving occupational therapy is different so it is so hard to to pin down exactly what we do isn't it Jen? (laughs) 
<laughs> it really is. It really is. But we're getting better at it, I think. Yes, I think so. And I think the other thing that we would like to do with this podcast is we don't want to just speak with occupational therapists. We want to speak with other professionals, other allied health professionals, educational professionals. Uh, we want to speak with service users as well. Or people with lived experience. I know there's so many, in terms of terminology, there's so many different perspectives. And, you know, yeah. some people hate the term service user, patient, client. Yeah. Um, so, we, you know, we don't mean to cause any offence with any of our terminology. It is, you know, wh- whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, but yeah. absolutely, people who who use occupational therapy services would be really, uh, we're really keen to to hear about their experiences. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and other professionals as well, because you work quite a lot with teachers and, and speech and language therapists and, and different disciplines. Um, and they, you know, it, it's really interesting to hear different views in terms of occupational therapy and how it fits and how it's part of the bigger system as well. Yeah. And, and how it aids other professionals, you know, what has been beneficial in their experience or not. What can we learn from as well? But absolutely. <laughs> Where do we get it wrong? Yes, exactly. <laughs> So, Jane, what about the transdisciplinary service? That's something that we both have in common. How did you find that? Um, yeah, and, and even the term transdisciplinary. So I suppose um, unidisciplinary is where there's one discipline involved in working with somebody. So that could be a psychologist or a doctor or, or um, you know, an OT. And then multidisciplinary is where e- there's a, a number of different disciplines involved in the team but all working on kind of individual unique parts. So you might have a physio working on physical health and you might have an occupational therapist working on a particular task, um, or you might have a speech and language therapist working on, on the speech side of things. And then transdisciplinary is where the team works a little bit closer together. And you might only have maybe one person in the team who's working directly with the, the service user or the client or the, the person who's receiving the service. Um, but all of the other disciplines will be contributing to that person's work. So kind of sharing their experience. Um, so it, it is quite a um, an, an exciting way of working. So for me um, in Jigsaw, working in transdisciplinary meant that I was working, um, we would work uh, in Jigsaw, there's psychologists, there's um, social workers, nurses, psychotherapists and occupational therapists. And um, we would really learn from each other. So I would have been supervised by different disciplines and I would supervise the other disciplines and we would really share knowledge and experience, which I think can only benefit the the person who's using the service at the end of the day. Um, It's a really dynamic and interesting way of learning and working together, really putting the person and their needs at the centre of the service. I think sometimes in health services, we can get a little bit protectionist in our roles and and be you know it can get a little bit territorial sometimes um and that doesn't really crop up in in transdisciplinary working I find it really good for um skill development the skills I learned from my when in Middletown there are specialist teachers speech and language therapists therapists with behavior backgrounds and classroom assistants the skill sharing in that particular kind of environment you know, yeah. you, you really do. And especially if you are specializing in a particular area like mental health or autism, you really pick up all of the skills that you need to help, you know, the child know, person. And I know that one of the <clears throat> concerns that can come from OTs then is role blurring or loss of identity or, 
you know, not um, not be, not working as an OT. You know, when you're working in a transdisciplinary role, do you feel that you are staying true to your core OT principles and, and ways of working or is that at risk? Do you know, Jen, actually, my personal experience, I did have a few years where I did feel like I blurred a little bit and I did feel like I'd lost my professional identity. If I'm being really honest, um, and it was difficult. It was a kind of like I affectionately refer to it as my midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I joined the AOTI, and that really helped to ground me. And um, being part of a professional group, um, an advisory group, the pediatric advisory group, where I could liaise and share knowledge with my peers as as occupational therapists, I found that very helpful. I think it was really necessary, actually. Because being an OT in the transdisciplinary team, by blurring your role, it's not helpful to anyone. It's not helpful to the organization, to your clients, to your the children that you're working with. It really is important to hold that identity. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I think actually for me, it helped me to kind of focus in on and clarify my OT identity and my way of thinking because I had to explain it to other disciplines you know, what, why are you doing this? Well, I'm doing this because, and going back to kind of core models and really thinking about, you know, what I, what is my goal here? Why am I working in this particular way? You know, as an OT, what am I adding to this understanding of what's going on with this person, for example? So having, and, and I, that's one of the benefits of students as well, isn't it? Having to really kind of bring into the light what you kind of assume is is just an automatic way of thinking but actually having to explain your thought processes um, and your your appraisal is really helpful yeah definitely Jen did you ever work work abroad anywhere only the UK so um when I qualified yeah I worked in the NHS and then I worked in the private sector in the UK um but no I've never um America scares me a little bit because of all of the insurance kind of things over there and I know that um, OT over there is becoming a, a doctoral profession um, more so than a master's, mm-hmm. um, which is a little bit intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about yourself? Have you? I worked. Um, I worked for a very short time in New Zealand. That's another thing I love about our profession that you can travel. The amount of occupational therapists that I'm meeting through the Sensory Integration Network who are abroad completing their SI postgraduate training. It's brilliant. There's OTs over in Singapore. There's a, a quite a, uh, we were talking about this the other day, Jen, weren't we? There's a quite a, a cohort of Irish OTs in Singapore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I worked in New Zealand just for six months, but then I've worked across Northern Ireland and now mostly in, in, in Ireland. In the Republic. Yeah, it's interesting to see OT in different countries. And I actually at the moment have an, an intern um, from Germany who's here on Erasmus and, and she qualified in Germany and then has come over here just to kind of understand the Irish perspective a little bit more. Um, but I think it is quite different in different countries. Um, so in Germany, maybe it's not um it's slightly below a, a bachelor's I don't I don't think they're quite a bachelor's level for it oh, really? and I know uh, yeah and then another colleague of mine um Josephine Dung Dufour is um in France and so she set up originally she was um UK based and moved to France with her lovely French husband and they have got two different types of OT there's ergotherapeutique which looks I think at the um environment and and kind of um ergonomics more so and then there's an occupational therapist which 
I'm not even sure of the difference, but I know that there is different kind of um, different countries. It, there is a different way of working, which I think is really interesting. And it would be good to kind of see how other countries compare to us here in Ireland. We love it actually to get one of those OTs on just to, to yeah. learn more about that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think one of the strengths about occupational therapy here in Ireland is the regulation and the fact that it's a CORU registered discipline and that occupational therapy is a protected title. So yeah. you can't just set up as an occupational therapist. You have to, you know, you know that if somebody is using that title of occupational therapist, that they're registered and they have to stay up to date and they're audited every couple of years. And, you know, that you are going to be working with somebody who is, you know, really up to date in their practice, yeah. which I think is a real strength here in Ireland anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jane, what about, what's your favourite podcast? What do you listen to yourself? <laughs> well, I, so I actually quite like some of the BBC ones, um, some of the kind of more true crime things like um, the Crypto Queen um, and the, um, there was one about Theranos. Um, there's a few of those kind of ones that I like. And then comedy wise, this is a bit controversial, but I actually love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> which is right I have to look at some of those funny. yeah right yeah a little bit wrong and OT wise um there's a lovely one called um OT potential which brings um it's a really nice kind of um way of staying up to date with practice so it looks at the top 50 OT journal um articles and okay. reviews them and they start bringing in different authors to kind of review the evidence um, and then look at how you put it into practice so that's a really nice professional one that I that I like yeah yeah so we're going to definitely include our favorites we'll, we'll leave them in the show notes won't we Jen I love I'm kind of going through a transition period in my life at the minute I'm moving from Middletown which I absolutely love as an organization but I'm going to step into the world of private practice like yourself yay Yay. so it's exciting so for me my podcast really really reflect what I'm going through at the minute (laughs) and the one that I really love at the minute is called the squiggly careers podcast have you ever heard of it yes yes really insightful and again it's by two um ladies who are human resource officers Sarah Ellis and Helen Tooper and they talk about how your career paths aren't always in a straight line and that's exactly true for me mine's a squiggly career at the minute moving just over to the side (laughs) and having the confidence which is such a a big thing but there's been a lot of advice through that podcast that I've found really related to so anyone else in a similar um situation I would really recommend it and then I also love Irish well-being psychologist Clodagh Campbell have you heard of her Um, and has a podcast called Unspoken so I follow her on Instagram and her podcasts are released at the weekends. And I usually then try and figure out if I've got a journey to do. Usually I like to listen to podcasts when I'm driving. Yeah. So if I've got a big journey during the week, then I'll save that for my drive. Oh, that sounds cool. I'm going to check it out. And um, the other one I actually love, um, you sparked that reminder of me, is The Happiness Lab um, by Laurie Santos. Okay. Um, she's, I think she's Harvard professor um but it's you know positive psychology based but really strong evidence and just really easy listening you know the way sometimes when you read research or journal article and you're kind of 
it takes a while for me certainly to process yeah. and to make sense of it and kind of go okay what is this actually telling me and how can I apply this to practice whereas um some podcasts are really good at being able to synthesize the research into easy chunks for my, yeah. my slow brain and to make it's sense layman's of it. terms so that we can just yeah. understand it yeah but again a really good way to learn isn't it Jen Definitely. And so hopefully with this podcast, the aim is, you know, we're hoping to put this out every couple of weeks, yeah. every two weeks. Um, and so ideally at the start of the week so that you can plan if you've got a long journey, you can stick us on and maybe find out. And, you know, we're hoping that it'll be helpful for occupational therapists in Ireland, but also parents, people who use occupational therapy services for other disciplines, maybe just to get a little bit more insight into occupational therapy and how it can support them. So we're trying, we're hoping it's going to be helpful for everyone across the board. Um, people can get involved, right, Aideen? Absolutely. We really welcome anyone who has anything interesting that they want to share or showcase with us so they can contact us on our email. Uh, Jen, do you know the email offhand? Have <laughs> <laughs> we learned uh, Irish OT podcast at gmail.com? I think. Um, I'm pretty sure it's that, but we yeah. will um, stick it in, in the notes anyway so that you have it. Um, and we would welcome anybody who's interested, yeah, just to, to get in touch. And I know they always say this at the end of podcasts, and, you know, give us a like, give us a rating, review. I'm not even sure how you do that. <laughs> I don't do that enough. But follow us, certainly click on the plus sign, follow us and you'll get an update when, when a new episode is released. And, you know, we appreciate any support. You know, we do want people to, to get involved, to, to hopefully tell us what's interesting, give us feedback, whether it's working, whether it's not working, what we can do better. We're always open to that. But get involved um, and, and give us a like. Yeah. And thanks for listening, everyone. We've really enjoyed it and we're looking forward to the season ahead. Bring it on, the Irish OT podcast. Oh, Irish Occupational Therapy podcast, we said. We're going yeah. to use the full title, Occupational Therapy podcast. Just in We case. want to sound official. It, it is relaxed, but we will sound <laughs> official. <laughs> That's all for today's episode on the Irish Occupational Therapy podcast. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and found it informative and engaging. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at irishotpodcast at gmail.com or connect on Instagram or Facebook. And remember to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss an episode. If you found this episode helpful, please leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. Um, your feedback is important and helps us to improve the show, so please do leave us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Occupational Therapy Podcast, hosted by myself, Jen Trechek. And myself, Aileen Rutledge. We look forward to sharing more insights and knowledge with you in future episodes. Until then, take care. <laughs>